Welcome back in everyone to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have another great festival from Fridge in New York for you today. In fact, it is the last festival that we've not had on our show yet. So after this, the next festival coming up will be a repeat, which is wonderful. So we're excited to bring this to you. Joining us today, we have the curator, Connor Mullen, the director of the show, Shrew Yu, Sophia Carlin, the artistic director with Barefoot Shakespeare Company and the director of Lady Capulet, Emily Gallagher, all of who are part of the third annual Little Shakespeare Festival, which is being presented by Fridge in New York, August 3rd through the 20th at Under St. Mark's. And you can, as always, get your tickets and more information at frigid.nyc. And we're so excited to have this panel together today to tell us more about these great shows that are coming and this wonderful festival. So let's just dive into it. Connor, Sophia, Emily, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you all. So I want to just dive right in because I'm so excited about this next festival from Fridge in New York. And Connor, I'm going to jump right to you on this one and ask, can you tell us a little bit about what the Little Shakespeare Festival is and, and what audiences can expect from this year? Sure. So the Little Shakespeare Festival is right what it says on the tin. It's little. The idea behind it for me was really that I think when we think of Shakespeare, we often think of something like grand and huge, you know, this, this guy who's performing and the queen is coming to see it and there are thousands of people there. And I think like all that is absolutely true and is a part of who Shakespeare is, right? But there is also this part of who Shakespeare is that is sort of scrappy and independent. You know, they were the the clothes that they had for their shows were things that had been donated by wealthy people. They were like basically thrifting in the Elizabethan era, you know, and like, you know, there's a, people there are like going out, stepping out to like have a drink or like go to a bear baiting or something like that. And, you know, the shows are not $100 to go and see. They're like a penny. And so like there is sort of a, in there's sort of a off off Broadway independence to Shakespeare that I think can often get lost when we sort of just think about the grandness and the popularity. And this festival is sort of about celebrating the small part of Shakespeare, the part that we as independent creators can connect to and celebrate in one way or another each year. I love that. Now we've got two participants in this year's festival in Emily Gallagher and Sophia Carlin. And Sophia, I want to start with you first. Now, of course, I mentioned that you are the director of the show Shrew You this year. You're also the creative director with Hamlet Isn't Dead. Mm-hmm. How did you come upon the Little Shakespeare Festival? Well, we we like to joke that the As You Will troupe and work at Frigid as well as Hamlet Isn't Dead the, the Venn diagram is sort of a circle. We have a lot of shared people there. So we were really honored that Connor approached us to join in on this festival, especially with the goal of reimagining gender within the classics. And we luckily have done a series of abridged uh, reimaginings of some of Shakespeare's lesser knowns. And one of those being Taming of the Shrew. And that's where we came up with this concept. And I'm very excited about it. It's like four people all doing one show. And it's uh, one act. It's no boys allowed. And it's really just absolutely kooky. We're having a blast doing it. So I love that. Now, jumping up to you, Emily, you've got this show that you're directing, Lady Capulet. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that show and, and how you came upon the Little Shakespeare Festival? Absolutely. Well, I've known Connor for quite a while, actually, and very similar with Hamlet Isn't Dead. We all run in the same circles. We've worked on shows together in the past. So it was, again, just as Sophia mentioned, just an honor to get asked to be a part of this. And yeah, we're working on a piece called Lady Capulet. It's a new play by a local playwright here in New York City. It's a prequel to Romeo and Juliet, and it tells the story of Lady Capulet from the time she is a young girl. We've given her the name of Rose, which is very appropriate for Romeo and Juliet, of course, from the time of that and through Juliet's death. So you actually, we we go into Romeo and Juliet a little bit in time as well, and you see some of the moments you you know from that play also. We've been working with the playwright on this play for about four years, so we're just really excited to get to bring this latest iteration of it to a new audience. Wonderful. Now, Connor, I want to come to you with this as the curator of the festival. How do you pick and develop the lineup? You know, it sounds like you've you've reached out to a couple people, i.e. Sophia and Emily, but do people reach out to you? You know, is there a submission process? How how is the lineup selected and organized? Yeah, so it's a little bit of both. My goal is for us to create an experience that will be both great to watch and also, frankly, for the good people at Frigid, great to work with. So Hamlet Isn't Dead and Barefoot Shakespeare were both companies that like, I I would question like an independent leaning Shakespeare festival in New York City that didn't include the two of them in some capacity. Honestly, they're two like superstar organizations that do a lot of compelling and interesting theater in New York City. And they're always fun to see. So gotta have them. So I reached out to them pretty much right away when I had an idea of what we were doing this year so that I could tell them like, this is what we're looking for. You know, if you, the only thing you've been working on is like Shakespeare plays in space, maybe this isn't the year to bring something. But fortunately that was not the case. We also have an application process as well. So a number of the other shows that are in the festival, those folks reached out to me through that application. And then I sort of went through who submitted and found ones that I really felt supported our theme and also like filled gaps that existed in the festival. And so we've got like a robust lineup of six shows at this point. Incredible. Now, before we move on to some other questions, I do want to just mention, Connor, you're with a group called As You Will, if I remember right. You do remember right. And you all won an award at this year's Frigid Fringe Festival and are back performing at this year's Little Shakespeare Festival. Do you want to maybe tell our listeners or remind our listeners a little bit about what As You Will is or or does? Twist my arm. Why don't you? Absolutely. So As You Will is an unscripted Shakespeare show. So it's usually between three and five performers on stage. For a 45-minute show, we get a suggestion from the audience of a Shakespeare play that does not exist. Some of our past titles have included Goblins Ahoy, The Tragedy of the Twin Bed, McDonald, and various other things like that. We have, we then, whatever title we're given, we perform that Shakespeare play in 45 minutes. And we do so using themes and language and verse of William Shakespeare. So there will be spoken iambic pentameter on stage that is completely improvised and made up. It's a rip-roaring good time. I highly recommend it. And if it's bad for some reason, it will be absolutely different the next night. So you should come twice. 
it was so good when we saw it at the Frigid Fringe Festival. So I definitely recommend this among the other shows that are playing. So I want to ask all of you this question. Is there a message or a thought you're hoping that audiences take away from your show? Or Connor, in your case, from the festival itself? And Emily, I'd like to start with you on that. What is the message or thought you're hoping audiences take away from Lady Capulet? That's such a great question. I I really hope that audiences get a new perspective on Romeo and Juliet. I think that's a big part of our play. It, it we we say that this play answers the question what caused the feud between the Capulets and the Montagues. <laughs> so we do hope that our audiences get a new perspective on Romeo and Juliet, but also our our lead character, our Rose, that we watch this transition that she goes through. She is a little bit of an of an anti anti-hero almost her story is tragic we've all we know Romeo and Juliet it's a tragedy so Rose's story is also tragic and yet you root for her and you want her to win even when she's not being the best person and it's just it's such a beautiful character study in humanity I think is what this play really is and so we hope that everybody gets a little bit of a love story a little bit of a new perspective and the knowledge that you can take these Shakespeare's women have such depth to them. And you, there's so much history and story there that we can create or that exists within the plays. And, and so we, yeah, that's, I think where we're hoping people walk away from the show with. Sophia, how about you? I hope there's a lot of things. I hope that people take away from us. Number one, I hope that people realize that women are funny. Point blank. I'm, I'm sick of hearing about that. It's not. That's that's so cap. That's not true. Number two, I also my big thing is that Shakespeare isn't precious. I think that sometimes we lose a lot of play in Shakespeare because we feel like he's precious and there's a specific way to do it. And I hope that people get that out of their heads. And lastly, I hope that people realize that it's never fun for the oppressor to make fun of the oppressed. The reason that Taming of the Shrew doesn't work today is because you have men picking apart women. That doesn't mean that there aren't really interesting moments to highlight and examine and uplift within that text too. So for me, those are the big three things. If you're going to do something, you have to make sure that it's number one, it's funny, it highlights your people. And also like, you can't have the oppressor make fun of the oppressed. It's not going to be a fun time if you do that. It's not funny. Sorry. As the self-dubbed queen of comedy, it's not funny. I'm sorry. I got to just mix you out of there. It's off the lineup. But those are the things I hope that people take away from it for sure. Yes. Finally, Connor, what do you hope audiences take away from this year's Little Shakespeare Festival? You know, so the sort of theme of this year's festival is basically like bringing people who aren't men to the forefront. And I think my hope is that every year at Little Shakespeare, we in some way try to shine a light on a part of Shakespeare or an idea in Shakespeare that isn't like usually the center focus, you know, the when we think about Shakespeare, what are the things that are sort of on the edges of that, that we can sort of bring into focus and make more exciting. And for this, it's the non-male characters, whether whatever form that might take, you know, so I really hope that when people leave any show that they see at the festival this year, that they're sort of whatever that was that they they vaguely knew was a part of Shakespeare. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I know Romeo and Juliet or like, yeah, Taming the Shrew is a problematic play. I wonder how I would actually feel about seeing parts of it or something like that. You know, whatever that is, 
that they've gotten that has been brought more to the center for them and that they have a better understanding of everything that orbits around the central idea of Shakespeare. That's fantastic. I love that. Finally, for this first part, I want to ask you all, who do you hope have access to this year's festival? And Sophia, I'd like to start first with you. Everyone, I think our show is for everybody, for sure. And I think that's, yeah, I think everyone should have access to it. I mean, we're at Hamlet's and Dead, we're huge about accessibility, which is why our shows are so intimate, uh, intimate and personal and removing of that sort of preciousness that I was talking about. We want Shakespeare for everyone, whether you love him or you hate him, we want you there. So that's a big thing for me. Yes. Emily, how about you? I, I definitely have to agree with what Sophia said. We also at Barefoot, we blur the line a bit between spectator and, and performer. And so we like to draw our audiences in and, and we want, you know, we perform mostly outdoors in Central Park. So we really do want everyone to just show up and enjoy themselves and come and see our work. And especially, I think, the as Sophia was saying, the people who think of Shakespeare as being precious, one of the nice, one of the things about Lady Capulet is that it's really written in contemporary language. It just adds these and twases and things like that to make it sound Elizabethan, but it's so contemporary. So even people who are afraid, quote unquote, of Shakespearean language, this is absolutely the kind of festival to come see because all of the pieces are going to speak to that in some way and, and show how accessible Shakespeare's text really can be. Love that. Routing us out, Connor, who would you like to have access? I, I mean, I totally echo everything that's already been said. I specifically think I want to highlight, I really hope that young people, particularly young people who don't identify as men, have access to this. Because like, I, I really think that Part of our work doing all this, doing Shakespeare, doing theater is also to sort of build step stools for whoever comes after us. And I think that, you know, as we have more and more, if we have more and more young people seeing this work or being interested in what we have to say, they will then go and do much better than we did down the line. So I specifically want to shout out and encourage young people to come and develop their interest in theater through seeing what we've figured out so far. up now for the second half of our show and give our listeners a chance to get to know all of you a bit more. I want to start by asking Sophia and Emily, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are some of your favorites? And Emily, I'd like to start first with you if I could. Sure. Well, I am often inspired and look to our contemporaries. I have to say, again, being in the circle, I think all of our companies are in the people we work with, the people we interact with and the kinds of shows we all put on are, are really exciting and accessible and 
tell a modern needed story. I think all of the artists in our community do that. So I, I really do look towards my peers when it comes to the type of work that's being done. I always say every year that if either the Globe or Shakespeare in the Park is doing one of the shows we're doing, we have our finger on the pulse. That is definitely something that I look to as we've got that right. And I think recently in terms of any work that's really inspired me, I, I have been inspired by some of these modern takes on Shakespeare or these riffs on Shakespeare, very similar to what we're doing with Lady Capulet. I actually am hoping later this week to go see Malvolio at at Harlem Classical. And I think Fat Ham is one of the, it is the best Hamlet I've ever seen. And so I think some of these contemporary Shakespeare's and these riffs on Shakespeare's that are being done are just really exciting and kind of, I think, opening a new genre even for all of us to begin exploring. Love that. Sophia, what about you? What or who inspires you? I am just like a lot. Emily, we're mind melding. I was literally going to drop Malvolio. I just got my ticket. I'm going to see it Friday. I'm so excited about it. But for us at Hamlet Isn't Dead, with our mission of doing the entirety of Shakespeare's canon in much as much in chronological order as we can, we really rely on the community that we've built over the last 10 years. So we definitely look towards our community and look towards our resident acting company members, our artistic associates and admin. What are the stories that they're interested in highlighting within these shows that have been done for 400 years? So I really do find a lot of inspiration from my peers as well. And I have a background in device theater, ensemble, movement, things of that nature. So for me, it's really important to create an environment of making sure that your job is to make everyone else look good, right? Like, what is my what is my peer doing? How do I uplift them? So all of that is really important to me and also, I think, really highlights in the work that we do as well. I always think back to the first Broadway show I saw, which was Peter and the Starcatcher, which is a fantastic Broadway show to see for the first time. And the transformative aspect with a collective group and their storytelling with such simplicity was so magical to me and resonates in all the work that I've touched and all the work that we do at Hamlet Isn't Dead. So I think that very much speaks to me as well. Oh, that's so wonderful. Connor, we've had you on our show before, once many moons ago, it feels like. So I feel like we've asked you that question previously. So I want to ask you a different question. And I'm wondering, how is it that you came into the performing arts? Ooh, what a good question. Honestly, so I think the moment that defined the path that I would take in becoming an art person is that when I was in like the seventh grade, there was, we had like special classes, you know, where it was like, one was like health class, one was like drama, one was like visual art. And in health class, we didn't really do much of anything. In And we also had drama class. And there was one day where there was a snafu in the schedule and the teacher said like, well, both specials are free. So which would you rather choose? Would you rather go to health today or would you rather go to drama? And I said, drama because of course everyone wanted to go to drama but almost everyone else was like health class I know all of us here are like that's insane it's wild and it was in that moment that I was like oh I don't like drama a normal amount I like drama more <laughs> than a lot of people do and that was kind of the thing I started like looking at drama differently from that moment on and you know it's it's always been this thing that 
I've always been interested in storytelling specifically. And anytime that I can find a way to share a story with people, I want to. And theater was just this place where storytelling was always happening in all these very different ways. And that I could be an actor or a director or any kind of other number of things in that. That was sort of, that's really the thing that has kept me in performance and theater all this time and keeps me here this day, telling stories, sharing that with people. Love that. Well, let me ask all of you, have any of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I I can lead us off on this one. I have, so I haven't actually seen the full performance yet, but I just saw some of their, like one of their dress rehearsals and was blown away. So speaking of Hamlet, there is a telenovela version of Hamlet that is happening at Frigid right now. And I, when I heard what this was initially, I was like, uh, all right. But then I saw some of it. And the the idea of soap opera and Hamlet go together like cheese and crackers. Like it is fantastic. And when you add on this layer, uh, the telenovela layer for me, which full disclosure, I am not a Spanish speaker and the show is all in Spanish, with subtitles, I it it made the show transformative for me because I was I was both experiencing the show as someone who could not understand what was being said, but could and also they are because they're so heightened in their physicality, it came to life for me. So I I think if you like Shakespeare, I highly recommend seeing this telenovela Hamlet that's going on at Frigid New York right now. It was a wild experience to see. Yes, we've been, that's been on our radar since last year when co-artistic director at Frigid, Martha Preve, Martha Lorena Preve mentioned it on her first interview. And I, since then it's been like, okay, keep reminding us, we're going, we're going. So yeah. I'm so it's glad. It's finally you- happening the next couple of weeks. Well, let me ask you all this. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Connor, I'm actually going to start with you on that. Absolutely. I mean, I, we talked a little bit about like things sort of working as ensemble and making other people look good and all that jazz. And I, I really think that the idea of collaboration in art is the thing that sets theater as an art form apart from most every other one. I mean, they're, you know, a band or something like that. But the fact that you know, one person, honestly, just one person on stage isn't enough. You you need an audience to believe that they're there. You need another actor for them to react to. You need someone to create this space. This idea that the reason it all works is because we are working together is uh, singular to theater in that, and it's, I think it is the thing that, you know, we often get, I think we often have to deal with in the day and age we live in now, this idea that like, well, why should I go to see theater when I can just go watch Succession? And Succession is pretty good. The reason is because that is a moment that is shared when you go into that space between you and the performer. And that feeling is electric and unmatched by anything else. And I'm so glad that we're at the point in the pandemic, we can do that again. And I think that should always be celebrated. Love that answer. Yes, absolutely. Emily, how about you? 
Well, I was also going to say collaboration as one of my absolute favorite things about the theater. One of the co-founders of our company when we first started said that he wished that our contribution to our theater community would be collaboration, that that would be what our communities came together, like our generation came together to do. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And it's so true that coming together as a group and making this moment that doesn't exist any other time, any other place is, is really beautiful. And all working together to create this story and share that with people. I also think as a producer and artistic director of a company, one of the other things I really love is getting to, this is going to sound so cheesy, but I'm going to say it, is getting to make dreams come true. Is that get, giving people the opportunities to tell the stories they want to tell or play characters they want to play in ways that maybe other people wouldn't think to do. So just providing opportunities for individuals to get to do things that maybe they haven't been able to do elsewhere is something that has always just been such a joy for me as a theater creator. Yes, I love that. And that is not cheesy. I love that. Sophia, finally you. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? My favorite part about working in the theater, there are two things because I never choose one. I'm a Pisces. I'm indecisive. That's why I'm a director. And so Emily, we are the same. Anywho, First thing is, I think that it, what I love about theater is, and I'm a very creative person. I sort of touch all different types of creative outlets. But for me, theater is you see the fruits of your labor immediately as it is happening, as you are performing, as you are directing, as you are all these sort of things. You have multiple moments and chances for connection for every single person you see as it's happening. And I think that that is so magical, you know, looking out into the audience and seeing people with you, crying, laughing with you, looking at your scene partner and knowing that there's someone there with you sharing this experience. It's really beautiful. And to add to that, I think theater, I can't think of an art form where trust is so necessary to make magic happen. And you see it when it, if it doesn't happen, that it's not present, right? And so this concept of trust, especially in the world that we live in, where it feels like there is a lot of lack of it, to come and create a place where you are, you have the trust of your audience that you're going to kill it. You have the trust of your peers that you're going to make things happen. And you have the trust of everyone in the room that this is going to happen and we're going to make it do this thing is so, is so wonderful and magical because guess what? It always happens. Something happens and something magical happens every single time. I love that. Oh, what a wonderful answer from our resident Pisces on this interview. <laughs> well, we've now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? Or Connor, in your case, what's another one of your favorite theater memories? My favorite theater memory, I was just telling my boyfriend about it the other day. And uh, I grew up in Chicago and I was a Shakespeare nut from the time I was 13 and played Sir Toby Belch in Twelfth Night. Don't want to talk about it. It was a lot. It was a very different world, but I was the best experience of my life. But my favorite memory was we had a competition run by Chicago Shakespeare Theater, which if you haven't seen a show at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, you're missing out entirely. And they were doing this like Shakespeare slam where you had to be a team, you had to do a scene, you had to create an original piece of Shakespeare. Um, so you had two sort of things. And I was running the whole thing. My teacher was like, I don't care. So if you take care of it, you got it, you know what you're doing. 
And we did a scene from Timmy the Shrew. We did the Petruchio and Kate scene. And I directed that. And then we did the All the World's a Stage monologue. But for each stage of life, we did a scene from Shakespeare. So the baby was Aaron with his Aaron the Moor from Titus. The boy, the whining schoolboy, was the thief in a Henry V, I believe. Falstaff was, of course, the justice. And we swept the competition. There was like no doubt about it. And it was magical to be performing at 16 on a stage that I dreamt about performing for the last five years. And then be, it was, and it was with all my friends. It was the best thing ever. That's my favorite theater memory is you just, it was like, it felt like a solo operation, but then I realized it was a community operation and that's what sold me on it for sure. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> Incredible. Yes. Who would like to go next? I've got one. So between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I, at the end of my freshman year of college, I was sitting in the drama bookshop going through plays and I was looking for one to direct for school the next year and instead came across this play that called The Disappearance of the Three Little Pigs or Where My Chitlin's At. And it was a film noir play starring the like Mother Goose characters. And it was hysterical and fabulous. It started with, you know, nimble here, Jack B. Nimble, right? That kind of a vibe. And I read the first, I literally read the first page and went, this is my group of friends from high school. This could be the funniest thing ever with my group of friends from high school. And I was in a chat room with my girlfriend friends and said, I'm going to come home this summer between, you know, college and I'm going to put on a, a play with all of us. We're going to do it. And my friend Chelsea said, I'll believe it when I see it. And that's the first theater company I ever created and the first show I ever directed. And I went home that summer and I got all my friends together and we got the local college to give us one of their like theater spaces and we put up a show and it was so magical and so amazing. And it is still like one of like, you can hear my smile. It is one of my absolute favorite memories. And it was, yeah, it was the first time I created a theater company. So it, it meant a lot for sure in terms of the future and what was to come. I love that. That's amazing. And I want to go find this play. Well, Connor, that leaves you. What is another one of your favorite theater memories? One of my theater favorite theater memories that I think actually connects connects back to Shakespeare in a nice way is an, another early moment where I was like, oh gosh, I'm having, I have so much love for doing this work. When I was in the eighth grade, we read Macbeth and we had to stage a scene from it. So most people picked like the first scene of the witches sort of gathering or, you know, a scene of, of Macbeth and Lady Macbeth debating whether or not to kill Duncan. I picked the scene, the fight scene between Macduff and Macbeth at the end of the play. Yeah, exactly. Why would you pick anything else, honestly? And we, so my friend and I, eighth graders, memorized our lines and staged the scene. And we had to stage the fight. And I had two plastic lightsabers. So we staged the fight scene with lightsabers. And then at the end of the scene, Macduff laid a rose on Macbeth, which honestly, I'm still unpacking what that means exactly all these years later. So it was that was the first time one of the first times I was ever in a Shakespeare. In fact, that was the first time I was ever in a Shakespeare scene. 
It was the first time I ever did fight choreography. And it was it was the closest I've ever gotten to my dream of a Star Wars Shakespeare play, which brings us back to Shakespeare in space. Love that. That's wonderful. And soon, soon Shakespeare in space. It's soon. Oh, yeah. Connor, if you need a pitch for Twelfth Night in Space, I've got you. We'll talk. I've got it already for you. Next year's little it. Shakespeare festivals, nothing but space versions of Shakespeare shows. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, is anyone, I feel like we're all sort of on board with this Shakespeare in space thing that I'm going to do next year. Ooh, interesting. Not mad. <laughs> Done. Easy. Sign, seal, delivered. I'm yours. I got yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you all so much for those amazing memories. Those were all fantastic. Do any of you have any of the projects or productions coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug? Oh, we got a bunch. <laughs> we have a lot coming down the pipeline. We're gearing up to start our season with Antony and Cleopatra happening at the center at West Park from October, the weekend of October 8th through the 22nd, I believe. Don't get me close on those dates, but we are mid-October there. You can find out more information at hamletisndead.com or on our Instagram, hamletisndead. It will be an 80s version of it. And I was just taking a break to do this podcast of cutting the script. And oh my gosh, is it a doozy, guys? Normally when I get the full text, it's like 100 pages or maybe 90. This one's 129 and I got to cut it down to 60. So we're having a ball. But we've got that in the works. And we also have this spring we're doing, we're finally doing Othello. We've been putting it off uh, because we were supposed to do it in 2020. And we said, that's a bad time to do it. We're, we don't have the right people to do it. And now we do. So we're very excited about jumping into that as well. But yeah, that's what we've got coming down the pipeline and more different streams and different ways to get involved in some hideousy for sure. So at the end of August, Barefoot has our fundraiser unrehearsed and we actually have two of them this summer so we have one on Saturday August 26th and one on Saturday August or Saturday September 2nd they are both at 4 p.m Summit Rock Central Park free the cast is given their part and the script exactly one month ahead they are told to memorize all their lines they're not allowed to talk to each other they show up day of hopefully memorized hopefully in costume and there are referees and if they mess up, they get the whistle blown and they got points taken off and there's dunce caps and fun games like hot potato and, and all kinds of stuff like that. So come check it out. It's super fun. It's a it's hilarious. The audience gets to bet on who they think is going to mess up the most, which we love. <laughs> the actors, there's a swear jar. So if the actors swear, they got to put money in the swear jar because, you know, you, when you mess up, you're going to say something. So it's a lot of fun. It's just a good time. So bring your wine, bring your friends, come on down and join us. And then hopefully later this fall, we will begin workshopping a new play written by our director of diversity and inclusion, Regina Renee Russell. It is a modern verse. It is beautiful. And it is called Much Ado About Hero. And it is a retelling of the end of Much Ado, and it's brilliant. And we can't wait to begin workshopping that and finding what that's going to look like in the future. This is amazing. And I, I love that there's referees at fundraiser. I'm going to have to check this out. This sounds this sounds fun. So far, I'm loving all the stuff coming. So, Connor, anything for you to keep us going? Honestly, I would like to use this moment to briefly brag about the other three shows in the Little Shakespeare Festival, which is the closest thing I have to upcoming work. 
right in this moment in my life. You know, As You Will Exist, they're great. But I want to tell you the other three shows. First of all, we have The Room of Falsehood, which is being put on by Cage Theater Company. That is a retelling of the infamous film The Room in the style of Shakespeare. So if you've ever seen The Room, it's notoriously bad. And so this is a version of that. They've got, I've seen some of their costumes. They've got all the right costumes. They've got the red dress. They've got the football. If you've seen The Room, you know what I'm talking about. That one looks incredible. Oh, it is also a all female and non-binary cast as well, portraying these rampantly misogynistic characters in this show. It's great. We also have Wheel of Fortune, which is being put on by Django Productions. That is a new play. It's a dark comedy that pulls from a lot of Shakespeare's tropes. There's some twins in there. There's some mistaken identity going on. It is a self-identified by the playwright problem play in the best possible way. And it is our only sort of really, well, the most like modern leaning show we have in the festival. I think it's going to be a very interesting piece to put in conversation with these other ones. And then the last show is two shows. It is from First Flight Theatre Company. They wrote two plays, one which is called Shakespeare's Ladies at Tea, and the other which is called Shakespeare's Deaths. They are both all, they are both 100% lines taken directly from Shakespeare that these characters said. Ladies at Tea is a bunch of Shakespeare's female characters in conversation with one another about you know, their lives and what they've dealt with and all that jazz while they're having tea together. And then Shakespeare's deaths is, I think it's 38 deaths in 15 minutes. That's going to be interesting. And that is also all lines pulled straight from Shakespeare. And has if you can think of a death, it happens in this in this section. So those are the other three shows that pepper about this theater festival in addition to Barefoot Shakespeare and Hamlet Isn't Dead, which I will also say... Whenever people ask me, like, what I'm interested in, like, Shakespeare in the City, what are some things I should go check out? Barefoot and Hamlet Isn't Dead are two of the ones that I recommend first. So they're a pretty, you're, it's a pretty safe bet that you'll have a good time if you go to see either of them do anything. Love that. Love that. Lots of things happening. Lots of great stuff coming. So that leads to my final question, which is, if our listeners want more information about the third annual Little Shakespeare Festival, or about any of you or your production companies, perhaps you'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? For me, so for the Little Shakespeare Festival, the best place to find out anything and everything about it is to go to frigid.nyc. From there, you'll have links to the festival. There's like a festivals banner at the top of the page. You can look at the Little Shakespeare Festival. You can read my artist statement, which is very self-indulgent and delightful. Or you can learn about the other shows if you're tired of me. And you can find me online at connordmullen.com or at on various social media platforms as Connor D. Mullen. And lastly, as you will, is usually as you will improv on all your social media platforms. Check us out on TikTok. We're great. Awesome. The best way to stay in touch with us at Hamlet Isn't Dead is to check out our Instagram, Hamlet Isn't Dead, all smushed together. We're very active on that. Our website is due for a revamp. We're going to do that definitely by the end of this year. That's one of our big goals. So definitely check out our website. Take a look at some past productions we've done and what's to come next. But our Instagram, if you need anything, you can shoot us a DM. Happy to answer that for you right then and there. Between me and Val, who's the company director, we're checking that thing all the time. So for sure, always there too. And you can find all things Barefoot at barefootshakespeare.org. O-R-G. 
or on the social medias at Barefoot Shakes. So not the full name, just at Barefoot Shakes. I think on YouTube we're Barefoot Shakespeare, but everywhere else we're Barefoot Shakes. And you can get all of that from our website as well, as well as a contact if you want to reach out to us. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, please check us out. Wonderful. Connor, Sophia, Emily, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk to me today about your productions and about the upcoming Little Shakespeare Festival. I really appreciate it. And I'm so looking forward to it. So thank you all so much. Thank you for having us. I had fun. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so Andrew. much for reaching out and working with all of us. Again, it's always a joy to talk to you. Thank you. My guests today have been the curator of the third annual Little Shakespeare Festival, Connor Mullen, the creative director of Hamlet Isn't Dead, Sophia Carlin, who's also the director of the show Shrew You, and the artistic director of Barefoot Shakespeare Company, Emily Gallagher, who's the director of the show Lady Capulet, all of these great artists, as I mentioned, are involved with Frigid New York's presentation of the third annual Little Shakespeare Festival, running August 3rd through the 20th at Under St. Mark's. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting frigid.nyc. We also have a myriad of contact information for all of our guests and their respected companies that we'll be posting on the episode description as well as on our social media posts. But we hope you will join us in support another great Frigid Festival and head over to frigid.nyc now to get your tickets for the third annual Little Shakespeare Festival running August 3rd through the 20th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Hello.